0: Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast, hosted by Anders Gustafsson and Carlos Velasco. In this episode, Carlos interviews William Woodall, the creator of Entheos AI, an NFT project of AI-generated art in the Cardano blockchain. Welcome everyone to the Customer Experience Management Podcast. This is Carlos Velasco. Um, I have the pleasure today to have a very special guest. Uh, His name is William, and he is the creator of Entheos AI, an NFT project of AI-generated art in the Cardano blockchain. So in the past podcasts, we have been talking about digital transformations. We have uh, been talking about artificial intelligence, uh, Internet of Things, and uh, mixed reality. And in this space, we're gonna be talking a little bit about blockchain and non-fungible tokens. You will hear about that more in a second. But let me introduce um, William uh, with a quote that I got from his website. The quote says, what happens when we show an AI model millions of images and ask it to learn to categorize the world we live in? What underlying geometry of patterns and structures will it learn? This is AI-generated art, a reflection of our world, a glimpse into what lies beneath the surface. In other words, words, a new way to experience the world around us. So this I think captures in a fantastic way the uh, art that uh, he creates and he delivers. And uh, it's going to be a pleasure to talk about uh, about this with him uh, in the next, uh, in, yeah, in the next few minutes. So. Before we start, William, I would love if you can expand a little bit on on an introduction about yourself, like uh, who are you, you know, and what is this, what you do?
1: Yeah, thanks, Carlos, and uh, it's good to be here. Um, Well, my name is Will. Um, I uh, started this NFT project about, I don't know, seven months ago, and I came into that with a, a background in artificial intelligence. I started researching artificial intelligence about six years ago. And before that, I came into that with a background in mathematics. And so when I found artificial intelligence, I sort of just, uh, I, I found a new love and I sort of it became an obsession. And I read every book and went to every convention and online course that I could possibly uh, fill fill my life up with. And um, it just took me on a journey that uh, it, it's led me to
0: where I'm at today. Wow, that sounds fantastic. And and it really is reflected in, in your work. Um but let's start from the, from, the, from the beginning. I know that many of our listeners might not be necessarily familiar with artificial intelligence art and non-fungible tokens, which we, uh, you know, called NFTs uh, in short. So what is this about? Uh, NFTs? A- NFTs are... and uh, Artificial intelligence art. So let's start with artificial intelligence art.
1: Because that's a that's a brand new field, and you know, I I when I started my research into artificial intelligence about six years ago, right away I was in, introduced to the idea of uh, AI models that can generate you know artwork and people that were using these models to generate artwork, and I instantly became fascinated with the artwork. Um, it didn't become a primary uh, focus of my research until much later on, but I always. Uh, on the side of my research was tinkering around with these algorithms and just loving and, and fascinated by the artwork that they could produce. Um, it's a new thing; um, it's really kind of exponentially growing and has really taken off over the last year. In fact, a lot of the the newer algorithms that people are using to generate amazing artwork now uh, were just released at the beginning of this year. So AI art is a is a growing um, field, and there's also many different facets there's many different uh, algorithms that people use to produce art and they're all very different in, in approach and you know technique and the type of images that they're able to generate but the idea generally broadly speaking is that we're using some sort of ai network um in a manipulated way to generate images that we think are
0: fascinating okay that is that, that is uh, fantastic and that's kind of like something that then you sort of uh present to an audience in the form of a non-fungible token, if that's correct?
1: So, yeah. So, I mean, uh, for me personally, my project was taking the idea of using AIR to, uh, to make these non-fungible tokens and mint um, them onto the blockchain and sell them in the form of NFTs. But uh, people are, you know, using AIR in all different uh, fields and areas. And so um, that's just a sort of a specific use case for myself.
0: For you? Okay. Okay. That makes absolute sense. So yes. the the non-fungible tokens that you have uh, created can be found in uh, your website, right? The website is entheosart.com, uh, right? Right, right. It's yeah, right. it's www.entheosart.com.
1: And um, there's, you know, we, as well, we sell digital prints and stuff like that on the website. But by far, the most of the business that we get comes from the form of selling NFTs.
0: Um, and I recommend everyone that is listening to go to the website and check out his work. It's fantastic. I own myself several of his NFTs uh, because I just yeah think they're kind of like a very uh, yeah meaningful way of representing reality. If you allow me to put it in those words. Um, so tell us about Nthios AI. What is the background of the project? What is it about in general? So I came, I came into the space of
1: uh, crypto, um, uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology about 18 months ago. Um, mm-hmm. that, uh, or excuse me, about yeah, about 18 months ago. And the 18 months prior to that, I had been working on um, high-frequency trading algorithms with a professional trader. And we eventually moved to trying to trade cryptocurrencies and I did that for about eighteen months, and it needless to say it was uh, not not a very fruitful venture
0: <laughs> otherwise i
1: wouldn't be here today if that was successful but but um it it introduced me to the space of cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and even though that wasn't successful um, uh, i it, it it brought me to uh, love and be interested in the math behind blockchain technology and everything that was going on in the you know in the world of blockchain and the evolution there, and I decided at one point to you know invest some money in a project that I thought was a you know very interesting project, mm-hmm. and then I sort of and then through that got introduced to the idea of NFTs. Uh, I fell in love with the artwork I was seeing other NFT creators and artists making, and I just thought you know what a great idea it would be to use this experience I have with artificial intelligence um, and create and use it to create artwork and see if I could uh, find people out there in the world in the NFT space that were as fascinated with these images as I was. Because up until that point, um, you know, in my day-to-day life outside of the digital realm, I didn't really know a lot of people found the artwork as fascinating as I did. So I was sort of unsure if people were going to be as interested in it as I was. was, Yeah, so I was pleasantly surprised to see the engagement in the community and to find the support. and, And it just sort of, as I saw the community growing and I got the great feedback, I just sort of put more and more energy into the project and it just grew from there.
0: Yeah, and I can see that your Discord channel is very active. You know, you have a lot of people really commenting and super engaged in discussing and, you know, uh, kind of like finding new ways to appreciate uh, the art that, that, that you uh, develop. So that's that's super nice. So how would you define the experience that Enfield's AI uh, delivers, like the art experience? I think it's very immersive, you know, it's very meaningful in a way, but uh, it's very abstract at the same time. So I don't know, what can you say about the experience that you deliver? Right. Um, well, I guess it sort of depends on your perspective. It it would
1: probably definitely be described as abstract art. Some people call it surreal. Um, some of the art, you know, we it's evolving and we ch- it changes over time. But especially our earlier works are very abstract and, and what you might call like surreal surrealism. And I think that's because the artwork uh, tends to speak because of the nature of how it's created using artificial intelligence. Um, The artwork tends to speak to the subconscious mind. And there's some interesting reasons uh, as to why that or as to why I believe that that may be.
0: You know what? Like from from my own research, one of the things that we do is to see how people associate information across the senses in surprising ways. So sometimes I, for example, show people a round shape and an angular shape, and I ask them which one is the sweet one, which one corresponds to a sweet taste. And it's a very intuitive question, but most people would say the round shape is sweeter. It doesn't make much sense if you try to explain it, but that's an association that people make all around the world. And I think that your art in a ways, in a way sort of captures that unconscious, as you call it, like those implicit learning processes that we go through when we are experiencing the world around us.
1: Right. Yeah. So you, you,
0: uh, you sort of opened with that interesting quote about um,
1: AI models and the way they learn to categorize the world. And um, an interesting thing about the way AI models learn to, to uh, in the process of training, when they're learning to categorize the world around us, they do sort of learn an underlying structure or a, you know, a mathematical geometry that sort of makes up the patterns and the visual aspects of what we see in the universe around us. And um, I think that what's really interesting is that these, um, these models that they're, they're sort of showing us, they're giving us some insight into what those, what that, you know, those underlying patterns of that structure might be. And in that way, they sort of, we can relate to it on a subconscious level. I mean, these types of things happened all around us, right? Like marketing experts are really, really good at this and people that design products and, Um, do commercials will you know there's this is an area of research where they they study these things and they know that if they um, entice us with certain colors or patterns or um, you know that we maybe aren't aware of but our subconscious minds uh, they can sort of pick up on uh, what our subconscious minds are um, you know attracted to or uh, can sort of manipulate uh, the subconscious mind in that way
0: Something that is coming to mind while you're saying that is that in a way through your art where we can actually learn something about ourselves and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm very engaged with it because it really captures you know again what you say like these patterns this sort of way that we relate to the world and it represents it visually which is yeah interesting. Yeah
1: yeah you're absolutely right in a a way it's sort of uh, so I always like to say that you know, the more you learn about AI art, the more you learn about the algorithms and the math behind what's going on to create the art, the more fascinating the art becomes. It does two things. One, it demystifies the idea of artificial intelligence for us because, you know, at, the, at its core, it's just a bunch of mathematical uh, functions. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of it, it, it helps you understand what's fascinating about how the AI is generating the art that relates to the human aspect in other words what is it reflecting to uh, back to us about our own human experience and so you know the more you learn about this the more that you learn to see that the ai is basically giving us insight into you know these characteristics about our human experience
0: wow you know like the next question i think you are answering a, kind of like the next question that i have prepared for this which is you know, I, I, many people, when we are talking about uh, art, as well as art in the context of non-fungible tokens, they are sort of uh, wondering, what is the value of non-fungible token? If you can download an, an image, you know, from the Internet, why would you pay for it and stuff like that? But I guess all the storytelling that you're just showing me, you know, in, this, in these last uh, sentences that you have been describing, at least for me, explain why there is value in, in the non-fungible tokens of the artwork, for example, that you produce. But one of the questions that I wanted to also hear what you think about is, what gives value to the non-fungible tokens uh, that you create, and um, in general, to yeah, the tokens, yeah.
1: Great, great question, Carlos. You know, um, the the way that I try to describe NFTs to people that are outside of the world of NFTs um, is that it's sort of at its core, it's just a a way to authenticate a signature by an art, by an artist, right? It's a digital authentication um, using the math of cryptography to sort of authenticate a signature. So you can imagine in the time of Picasso, if Picasso had a way to digitally mathematically authenticate a piece of art, um, you wouldn't be able to nowadays uh, fake a picture that he created, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, and there are people, experts, right, that can look at a Picasso and, you know, use uh, dating technology, and they're really good at looking at the paint and all that stuff, and they could maybe authenticate the piece for you. But if somebody was, if, if conceivably, if somebody was really, really good at making a fake, they might be able to fool you and sell you a piece of art that wasn't real, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so an NFT is a way of using modern technology, the blockchain, and you know, this cryptography, this math that we have that, to authenticate a piece. And so it's like a digital way of signing it and saying that, yes, for sure, uh, Entheos AI made this artwork and there's no other way to fake this piece.
0: That makes absolute sense. And I've I've heard some people drawing a parallel with the, you know, like actual, actual paintings that you find in a museum, for example, you know, you can actually take a picture and print it and hang it, but it's not going to be the same as actually owning the actual piece, right? So in a way, through this uh, way that you're mentioning, you can actually authenticate this and make sure that it's actually, you know, coming from somewhere. Right. yeah I mean you speak you speak about that's that tends to be another human experience right we mm-hmm. we for
1: some reason like the idea that we own the original right there's great value in knowing that you have the uh, true piece of um, you know clothing that was worn in a movie uh, or a the authentic uh, baseball court or a signature from some famous person Um if somebody gives you a picture of that signature for some reason that doesn't, you know,
0: have the value. it doesn't have the actual value, right? Yeah.
1: Right. We like knowing that we're touching the authentic. The there's sort of an an attraction to authentic to genuine authentication. So.
0: Yeah, no, that that makes uh, absolute sense, and that gives a uh, uh, kind of like a very good. Uh, that's a very good way of operationalizing the value that NFTs have in the context of art. Right. Okay, so no, I think you have been answering the questions that I've had, but um, I have two final questions that I would like to ask you uh, for this for this podcast, if you don't mind. The first one is, what do you see as, as uh, the future of uh, uh, NFTs in artificial intelligence art? Mm-hmm. And second, in particular, in your art. Well, so for, for our project in particular, you
1: know, we're going to move to a space where we're... Um, releasing a very small amount of works but we're putting a lot of energy into every work that we release so you know we've we've moved from a, a series where we've released thousands of images out to the community and we want we did that because we wanted these nfts to be generally accessible to everybody but now that we've done that and there's lots of works out there in the community we want to move to a place where we're able to you know really, really put a lot of energy, tech, compute power into a small number of works. And I'm excited about that because that's going to allow us to do a lot more interesting work moving into the future. And as far as it relates to the NFT space more broadly, I mean, you're seeing the idea of NFTs um, having some utility, right? So you're seeing a lot of gaming, uh, um, aspects come into the space where or you have some use case or maybe the nft evolves over time and so i think what you're going to see in the nft space more broadly moving forward is just more unique ways to to utilize the space um, generally speaking
0: yeah yeah no that, that's uh, absolutely right sorry i'm just wondering all you know, the, the the upcoming pieces that you're mentioning uh, and this is also like a personal curiosity so you know like now there are several um pieces out there as you said so we uh, uh, what kind of numbers are we talking in the upcoming projects so for, for my project for you your project yeah yeah so over the
1: next six months to a year we're going to move into what we call a collector's series Mm-hmm. They're going to be in releases of 250 pieces at a time, okay. but the 250 pieces are really just going to be um, 25 sets of 10, and each set of 10 will be of the same image. So we're going to release like you know one of 10, two of 10 of each of each image, 10 collectibles of the same. And I'm saying image, but they're most likely going to be some type of dynamic animation. And mm-hmm. We've talked about the idea of using AI-generated sounds. And AI-generated soundscapes with, um, you know, using um, AI-generated music composed with these AI-generated sounds. And so we have lots of interesting ideas and and ways that we're going to be using the tech. But we'll say each NFT, each collectible in the set of 25 will be a a really unique um, piece created using some, you know, some interesting uh, AI technology.
0: That sounds real, And I love the idea of uh, sounds and soundscapes uh, on top of the images. Uh, I've seen in the Discord channel that there are some people that say like, hey, you have to listen to this music while you're watching the pieces of Entheos AI. And it's just become so immersive. It's just so powerful, the the, the experience. Uh, you know, like I was watching uh, one of your pieces the other day with music with somebody. And and I heard this person saying it's almost like a, kind of, a spiritual experience. It's just so immersive that you kind of like feel like a, sort of like higher.
1: Yeah, sound is a very important, you know, aspect of our sensory perception, right? um, I think we tend to think of ourselves as very visually oriented, but Mm. we don't really, for some whatever reason, you know, back to sort of like our experience, we don't experience uh, the importance that sound uh, brings to our our perception. And um, one interesting um, sort of thought is that I think it was George Lucas who said, you know, in creating movies that people can tolerate crappy images in a movie, crappy video quality, as long as the sound is really good. But vice versa is not true.
0: It's not the same.
1: Uh, You can have really good image quality and terrible sound, and it people will it won't pass. So it just sort of gives you some insight as to how important sound is in our perception of, of what we're perceiving in the world around. So yeah so I'm very excited about the idea of using sound I'm a musician, so that's another aspect of it yeah I'm a, I'm a composer, piano player, and so'm I'm, I'm excited about the ability to bring in that aspect of my artistic uh, approach to the project as well
0: wow and that is really, really cool because having like this um, very multidisciplinary background that you have, you really can connect you know like different things uh, which you know will give a very unique experience
1: yeah um, yeah I, I tend to be uh, I tend to be really good at, at three particular things in general. I, I don't know why that is. And that's a, a music, a math, and language. And, you know, um, for some reason, I those are those three things tend to come really easy to me. And, um, and so, yeah, I've just found it, you know, easy to identify patterns and structures. And that makes it easy for me to learn. And then I consider, like, programming to be a language, right?
0: 100%. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, like when I was doing my PhD at Oxford, the, I, I had this colleague that was doing research on music perception. And one of the things that he was studying is how, for example, music programming languages uh, and, you know, like other spheres of human experience are actually sharing uh, syntaxes, for example, and very, very basic units. So I'm not surprised that you're actually good at, at these things that you're saying, because they're really if you're good at, at the core of them, then you just expand, you know, to all of them. And connect right. them it in, is, a, in yeah. a way that gives you like this experience that you're delivering. Right. As soon as I like when I'm trying to learn another language, as soon as I can sort of
1: identify the patterns and structure behind the language, you know, I, I can lock onto that and, and really and really start to learn it. Um, mm-hmm. Other things like just memorizing or or just general reading comprehension, I, I tend to be terrible at that. Okay. <laughs> if you're asking me to just like uh, memorize a long string of, of words or numbers and there's no connected, you know, underlying pattern or structure, then I, I tend to be really, really bad at that. So for whatever reason, my learning um, ability is sort of tied to the uh, or is sort of tied to the ability to find patterns.
0: That is that is uh, fantastic. I imagine that your your own human experience uh, must be very fantastic at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but this is as a a reminder for those who are listening to us. You know, like the way in which we experience the world experience the world is not always the same for all of us, and and that's something that is really 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 cool. Um, I also have some very things in which I specialize, like in uh, in I'm not not into much into patterns, but you know I'm I'm much into I, I'm also a musician in a way you know and mm. I share other things, but but this sort of way in which we can segment human experiences allow us to better understand the broad spectrum of experiences and also to 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 design better experiences. So I want to ask you one final question uh, that I'm asking to all the people that we have in the podcast, and this is uh, perhaps a uh, uh, yeah a question that is. Uh, very subjective but you know many of the people that listen to the podcast uh, are working in the experience design economy so they're kind of like designing experiences for other people so Mm -hmm. my question is from your work what can you suggest to people that are designing experiences you
1: know i think i I think i have to come at this from sort of an artistic (laughs) approach Mm -hmm. um just because i'm a very creative and artistic person and I t- when I'm creating art or music in, in general, or just anything artistic more broadly, I tend to do- try not to think too hard about how it will be perceived by the other person mm-hmm. and just sort of create something that I think is beautiful and not try to um, not try to control or manipulate maybe how that other person, on the other side of the artwork will we'll receive it. Um, I think we all take from things our own, uh, you know, we all interpret things with our own experiences and from our own perspectives. I try to leave that door open, in other words. I think the best poetry is the poetry where the, the message behind the poem is not necessarily easy easily decipherable, and maybe it has different meanings to different people. Um, so at the same time as you're trying to create something beautiful and something that other people will relate to and find fascinating, I try to leave the door open to the possibilities of the different ways that it can be interpreted. Um, mm. I don't know if that's the best.
0: That's the no, best that, answer. Answers, that answer is, it resonates a lot. And I I really like the, the artistic perspective in it. I remember that the first time that I went to, or one of the first times that I went to a museum with a friend that is an artist, he told, you know, like there are many pieces of art that I didn't like in the museum. One of the things that he was telling me is just stop focusing on whether you like it or not, just focus on what you feel about them. And that's when I connected with the art because it, it doesn't matter if I like it or not. If I focus on what is making me feel in the sort of experience that it's kind of like creating in me, then the artist is achieving something and I am achieving something out of the piece as well.
1: Right. Absolutely. Let the artwork that you're creating be bigger than yourself, right? Be a vessel for that uh, creative nature to sort of pass through you, you know, channel it. But the more you try to manipulate and control how it will re- be received by the audience, I think you're, the more you limit the, the prospects or, or the, the, uh, the possibilities that the artwork can bring.
0: Well, this is excellent. Uh, Thank you very much, William, uh, for your time. Uh, This has been a very uh, nice chat and uh, I already look forward to your upcoming work. Um, I would like to uh, remind everyone again, please visit his website, uh, nthiosart.com. There you can access uh, some of the pieces that he has created and keep updated on the upcoming projects. So thank you, Liam. Yeah, um, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and if you're part of the Discord community, if anybody is on
1: Discord, you know, pop yeah. into our Discord or, or, or find me on Twitter. Um, you know, my, my handle on Twitter is at AI. And it's just a great way because the website can be, you know, sort of disconnected. Um, mm-hmm. If you're able to find us on Twitter or hop into the Discord, it's just such a great community. Um, there's people on there from all over the world, um, almost any hour of the day. We have a huge community of people that are incredibly helpful. They love to help people learn. They're all supportive. We've made really good friends on there. So if you're able and if you have Discord, um, please pop into the Discord and join the community.
0: That sounds excellent. Actually, uh, I'm going to tag you once we publish uh, this podcast and everyone that is listening will be able to uh, connect with your Twitter account and your Discord uh, if you're interested. So, okay, William, thank you so much again um Mm -hmm. and yeah it was a pleasure to to meet you as well yeah thank you